Oh, postpartum. That blurry, blissful time after you have your baby. But what's it really like? What can you expect? How does it really feel to bring a new baby home? Hey, I'm Chelsea, and here on the Postpartum Project, I get to talk to real moms about their postpartum experiences, because I believe that sharing our stories can help other moms feel seen and less alone. Yep, it's messy, but it's also pretty magical. Welcome to the Postpartum Project. Today I'm going to talk to Lauren. She's a really good friend of mine, and she's a middle school theater teacher. She has one little boy, and in her postpartum experience, she started realizing that she was putting a lot of pressure on herself for a lot of different things, and it made the whole thing harder. Keep listening to hear her story. Hey, Lauren. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I'm really excited to hear your story. Super happy to be here. Yeah. So first, I want you to tell me just about yourself. Like, what do you do? And what do you do for fun? What do you do for work? Tell me all that. All right. Well, my name is Lauren, and I am a middle school teacher. I used to be an elementary school teacher. I teach theater. And I'm a mom to one little boy who's six. And I've been married now for almost 10 years, which is crazy. I don't feel old enough for that, but I am. (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah, uh, what do we do for fun? Uh, We we like to be outdoors. We recently got a puppy during quarantine, and she's just been getting us outside a lot lately. I have some good friends who have been teaching me more about hiking and Mm. soon to be backpacking and just, like, finally like leaning into my Colorado life. I'm from Boston and um, it's, I can't believe it's taken me this like, you know, nine, 10 years to lean into what everything Colorado has to offer, but here we are better late than never. Yeah. Join the party. (laughs) (laughs) We weren't all lucky enough to be born here. Like that's true. That's true. Oh man. That's so fun. Awesome. So you did talk a little bit about your family, but I am curious, how, how did you all find each other? How did you and your husband meet? We actually met at a softball game when I was in college. I came back to this little town where I went to school called Keene, New Hampshire, and that's where my husband grew up. And I came back to a visit over the summer to go to a concert with my friends. And one of them, their boyfriend was in a, um, like a softball tournament and so we went before dinner and I don't know then my husband came over and introduced himself like very formally with a handshake <laughs> and <laughs> I thought he was a little weird but here we are that's amazing um, yeah our first date was like very New Hampshire too like canoeing on the river and um uh like breakfast pubs stuff like that um but yeah, then I carted him off like on our first car- cross country move to Texas. And then we landed in Colorado about a year later and yeah. decided to get married here. That's amazing. And so when you wanted to have a baby, how, how did that all go? Was it easy? Was it tough? You know, for like a while, like my first half of my 20s, I definitely was not ready for motherhood. And I remember having that exact thought process where I would think to myself, 
um, yeah, I want to sleep till 10 and <laughs> I want to go out with friends. Like I lived downtown in Denver and like, I knew I just wasn't ready for that. But then it was like, I feel like I was 25 and I just had this light switch that went off where I just suddenly was like completely ready for it and just like wanted it right then and there. And I was not a teacher yet. I was still working for a private hospital as a caseworker and um, it was in mental health field and I just couldn't get pregnant. Like I tried for um, a good like six months, which I know is not a, a long time. I know people wait a lot longer, um, but I think like being younger, I just assumed it would happen. The second I started trying, you spend like the first part of your life, like actively trying not to get pregnant and then yeah. when it doesn't happen. Um, but we decided to like, after that six plus months, we kind of reined it in, focused on other life goals and, um, spent the next half of the year changing careers and like just focusing on myself because my job was really stressful. It definitely wasn't what I wanted to do forever. And it was funny right after we made that decision and I finally got hired as a teacher, we took a vacation for my birthday and decided we wanted to get pregnant again, or we wanted to try to get pregnant. And um, I came home that weekend pregnant and I didn't know. So crazy. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. Perfect timing. Exactly. And it's weird to think like with how obsessed with my kid I am now, yeah. like it's, it's weird to think how devastated I was earlier in life, how it wasn't happening, it wasn't happening, and how I would have a different kid right now if it had. And like, that's like, ooh, no. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, everything happens for a reason and in its own time. And it's so hard to realize that in the moment, though, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it is hard in the moment. But it is crazy how, yeah, you wouldn't have your perfect kiddo that mm -hmm. was meant for you and at the perfect time, which is crazy. That's right. I know. I shudder at the thought. <laughs> oh, yeah. So just tell me briefly um, about your birth experience, kind of, mm -hmm. just just briefly tell me, yeah, how it went. Sure. Um, we, you know, I grew up with a mom in the healthcare industry, and she was a really amazing nurse, and um, she actually worked in the maternity ward, so she she took care of moms after delivery. And um, I don't know, I just always like have been drawn to healthcare, but I knew I, I wanted something like a little bit different for myself. But um, luckily, we were living in Denver, and there's this great hospital called Rose Medical Center, and they actually have a program um, called Rose Midwifery, or at least that's what it was called six years ago. Um, but you get that like best of both worlds for me experience where I knew I wanted to give birth in a hospital and that like that was comforting to me, but I knew I wanted a midwife or a nurse practitioner, which, you know, they are anyway, but um, we chose them and it was an amazing experience because I got that, you know, um, patient care I was looking for, but um, also had the security of the hospital and um birth was kind of crazy though should I get into that yes please tell us <laughs> okay. a little bit whatever you, uh, yeah just whatever you want to tell us okay um it might be a bit of an overshare but maybe that's the point that's anyway. this yes overshare away <laughs> okay so um 
I, uh, it turned out it was a good life choice to, um, to have the midwives. They were amazing, but also to have that hospital setting because I was what I believe the statistic is 10% of women, um, have their water break before contractions start before labor starts. Um, you know, the movies would suggest otherwise, you know, when the woman like, you know, breaks water in the middle of the grocery store or whatever, that's not actually super common. Um, didn't know that at the time, but I very clearly broke water, um, in the middle of the day on a Saturday and, um, I was like, okay, here we go. Uh, but, uh, my midwives, um, you know, they wanted to wait until active labor started and, you know, there's really no way to tell that you actually broke your water until you go into the hospital. And so, and they can test for that. Um, so I actually had to wait it out, I think maybe 12 hours before we Mm. finally went to Rose. And, um, by that point I didn't have a lot of water left. Um, my contractions still hadn't truly started in a consistent way. And so all of like, you know, my grungy hippie, um, wants and needs at the time, it really, you know, didn't matter to me in retrospect, but, you know, I wanted a natural, delivery and birth and I just like didn't have that option based on my scenario and so I like immediately had you know they jump started the delivery process which made it really really painful and I tried for a really long time um, to keep going with it but once they had to add Pitocin on top of whatever it was they did the first time um, yeah it was just unbearable and I was getting sick and so I gave in um, which in retrospect, you know, I shouldn't even use that word, you know, no, I did yeah. what I had to do um, with, you know, the support and help from like the floor nurses and my midwife. Um, but it was just a trip. It was wild. It was, um, you know, they had to get that baby out in the next 12 hours. Um, and he wasn't coming. <laughs> so yeah. It was just a lot of intervention um, that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, but it was fine. Um you know, a healthy baby at the end of the day is really the only objective. I wish I could tell my younger self that. Um, But unfortunately, a super healthy baby is not what we got. So um, he also had a couple complications. So he had a meconium aspiration, you know, Mm. before he was born, he had his first bowel movement in the womb, which Mm -hmm. sounds very disgusting (laughs) but it is is fairly common uh, from what I understand um it's just that here in Colorado it's very difficult for babies to um to cough that up with the high altitude and so what we knew what we um what we knew going into that is that he you know would have some trouble and they would have to have some um, intervention with oxygen what Mm. we didn't know though is that by doing that, which was absolutely necessary, of course, uh, they punctured a hole in his little baby lung. And um, we didn't realize that for quite a while. He also, he and I both had an infection from um, the delivery process since we didn't have, you know, the water had already broken, you know, leaving us kind of exposed together. And we knew that was going to happen. Um, And really just super treatable by antibiotics and we would be okay. It was the meconium aspiration and the the little tiny hole in his lung that kept him in the NICU for two days. Mm. But 
couple of cool, like um, just little badges of honor that he kind of came into the world with. He was likely supposed to spend like a week or two in the NICU. And they did not tell me that as a new mom. I think we were just kind of all taking it like day by day, yeah. or at least they had me thinking we were going day by day, but sure. they fully expected him to be there for like one to two weeks um, because babies who go through that just um, aren't super pumped about eating and they don't like take to eating or breastfeeding right away. Mm. Um, but our, uh, our attending uh, that was there for those two days she was amazing and she would joke every time she came in for rounds in the morning that he um, he was listening and every time she would express like the goals that she had for him and really she's talking to her staff and for my benefit to listen um, but he just like had a direct line to her and would do everything she set out immediately after she left and oh man giggle every time she came in because she's like are you listening young man <laughs> and um and I'll never forget that uh he's just like the classic underdog um and he discharged on time so we left the hospital two days um you know and uh, I think Rose has a has a better situation now but at the time they were kind of under construction and their delivery or sorry not the delivery the maternity ward and the NICU were not connected and so mm -hmm. I would have to kind of like waddle across like hospital floors to get to him yeah <laughs> I wonder uh oh and then he was also the biggest baby to date in the NICU because he was of normal size oh my gosh that's <laughs> yeah. so cool I don't I don't know if he holds that um that that uh badge of anymore yeah. the record yeah but uh I remember thinking that was pretty cool too that is but yeah, we had a roller coaster into the world, um, but uh, I mean, who doesn't love an underdog? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then it landed you in postpartum. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about that. Um, <laughs> because every story is different. I mean, every birth story is different. Every postpartum story is really diff different. Excuse me. And so you kind of had a crazy birth. You know, you weren't expecting a lot of things that happened. Right. And then he was in the NICU. You weren't expecting that. So talk to me a little bit about just recovery, your body recovering from your birth in the first few days and weeks. Okay. Um, I don't know if you share this sentiment, but I recently talked to a good friend of mine who had a baby recently about how um, little people told me the truth about those next few days. Yes, um, ma'am. I feel like lying by omission, maybe even. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I was not prepared for how my body would feel, uh, the stages my body would go through in those next few days. I actually had to send my husband home for bigger clothes. Mm. because my I mean I just assumed you know the baby came out my belly goes back down yeah <laughs> nobody not pregnant anymore right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I had early pregnancy clothes packed and that was not what I needed um and I'm sure maybe other women have different experiences but my body uh took I mean if we're being honest it took a year to go back <laughs> But those next few days, you know, I didn't know that you would have those like almost menstrual cramps. Um, 
contractions afterward that were your body like going back to normal um and that just it takes time it took like a few days to a week to really not be pregnant anymore um between that and then um you know the various uh what should we say what should we call them the um uh, just, you know, um, products that yes. you were to use afterwards. Um, yes, yes. The, the squirt team, bottle. The squirt bottle, which we can't become your best friend. Yes. Um, <laughs> the, the diapers, the adult the diapers. Di yep. You know, I was trying to think of a different word for it, but you know what? Let's just call it that what is it is. That is it. That's what it they is. Leave you, they leave you diapers <laughs> yes. for you in yes. your maternity ward bathroom. Yeah. And gigantic um, pads yep <laughs> I definitely did not I, I again you know sending my husband out when we got home to the store I was like I have regular lady size pads you know knew, knowing that I would need pads but not that I would need diapers so yeah um prepare yourselves with that you know <laughs> yeah nobody well, talks about it yeah. nobody no it's so true I think it's I don't know if it's on purpose that people don't say, hey, your body is going to be real different for a little while. Mm -hmm. That's okay. You are going to be bleeding for a while. That's okay. You know, mm -hmm. like, I think that our doctors and midwives tell us what's not normal, but we don't get as much of a view of like, oh, everybody, everybody still looks seven months pregnant for right. a while. And that's okay. And that's normal. Yeah. So nuts. Okay. Oh, I remember actually saying to one of our former coworkers, you and I, um, why did you not tell me that? Yeah. <laughs> and we, in all seriousness, like, why didn't you share that with me? And she said, um, I didn't want to scare you. Yeah. But I think what ends up happening is that's like our goal is to not scare women, you know, yeah. During that experience is that okay well they're left to their own devices and conclusions yeah. um without anyone having prepared them i don't know i like to be prepared i'm a teacher former caseworker i like a plan and i yeah. like readiness <laughs> and for I the think, unknown yes and i think there's a way to not scare women we don't have to scare people we don't have right. to tell horror stories right to scare but there is a way to be like, hey, this is what I experienced. It was normal. You might yep. experience it. You might not experience it. That's also normal. And it's okay. Right. And we're here for you. Right. <laughs> we're here know for you that... to be <laughs> vulnerable with. Yeah. To know that there's someone else who's been through it. So you, you can call them and yes. be honest and uh transparent about it absolutely yeah so now I want to talk a little bit about um just some of the other parts of postpartum um breastfeeding sleeping yep. getting into those new routines things like that um so yeah how was that experience aside from some of the physical stuff that you went through yeah um I think I remember in the very end of my pregnancy you know just kind of um like being ready for the baby to be here and having a little bit of false confidence, just having been a nanny for so many years mm. and experience with children. 
I was like, I got this. I know what's to come. Like pregnancy has been the unknown for me. Like I want the baby here. Um, I think the big difference there though, is that baby is there 24 seven and it is you mama. Yeah. <laughs> and coming to terms with that was, was hard at first. Um, you know, not seeing like an end or a break and things like that. And um, I think what helps with that a lot is uh, having your village ready and accepting people into your home to help and like be there for you and for baby. Um, But breastfeeding was tricky because my son had a weak trachea. I think it's called tracheal malaysia. And we didn't know that either my scrappy little guy (laughs) um (laughs) and so he was really uncomfortable sleeping and breastfeeding and Mm. so that made his sleep schedule um really hard for him and so he would wake up really easily he would be uncomfortable so he would need like to move um he would need movement from you in order to fall asleep um in a vertical position um and so obviously like certain breastfeeding positions um were difficult for him too unknowingly um and then I also had to go back to work only about five and a half weeks after he was born Mm. um so we just didn't get like a good uh go of it yeah looking back and I think I pushed myself really hard for that as well um you know having lost a lot of what I really wanted my birth experience to be like I really envisioned also like really wanting that experience of breastfeeding with my one and only and um you know we kind of lost out on that too uh but again like in retrospect um if I had to do it all over again I would give myself a break yeah you know and having this beautiful six-year-old in front of me now um none of that really mattered um in the long run yeah I have a wonderful relationship with him regardless of how hard I tried to force my agenda (laughs) (laughs) and um I think it you know if I had allowed myself to um try other things or you know give myself that break then I would have um had an easier time in postpartum and I wish I had leaned on the resources that I had available at that time Mm. but um, unfortunately I I really didn't yeah you know I wish I had yeah so you know wanting to have a certain birth experience and then wanting to have this breastfeeding experience and not really getting to do those things or have those things how how did you how did that affect you emotionally during that time especially when you're in postpartum you're hormonal you're emotional already Mm -hmm. How did that kind of, how did you navigate that? And how, what were your feelings at that time? I think, um, I just remember feeling a lot of pressure and the only person putting that pressure on me was me. Yeah. Um, but I like, uh, you know, I brought it up to, and this is another reason why I'm so glad and blessed that I had that experience with Rose Midwifery, but, um, they knew, you know, they know when you go in there and you're struggling, you can't lie to them. And 
Um, I remember my nurse midwife had a line a mile long in her waiting room, but sat there and held me while I cried through all of my hormones. Mm. Um, maybe, I don't know, it was like the first appointment back after birth. Um, and you know, no one else, no one else was getting it. I was kind of one of the first of my friends to have a baby. Um, I didn't have a lot of people to call on. Um, you know, my mother-in-law was there, but she didn't have any of the struggles that I had. And so it was difficult for her to relate or empathize. And it was like the second I walked in there, uh, her name was Meredith and she knew exactly, you know, that I needed her. And, um, she that day presented me with a lot of resources and encouraged me to use them. And I, valued that time with her so much that day and I'll never forget it but again the regret of like not pursuing those resources so she had given me like um places I could go to help me with nursing at the time we didn't know about the weak trachea and things like that but um counseling things like that and I think I would have had a much easier time had I done those things but um I think what really helped me get through those those um, after going back to work after only a month um, was my community at work at the time was a lot of stay at home moms and a lot of um, a lot of just really empathetic women who saw that I was struggling and um, was they just were there for me every single day you know they'd come and pick up their kids from dismissal and they'd be there you know, with kind words and hugs even because we were a very um, laid back environment, school environment. Um, and um, honestly, I think I don't actually know how I got through some of that. Yeah. <laughs> Besides from that, I don't. And I think I just have a lot of like, just advice in me on how to like, you know, now I have all of these answers that I wish that I had had or sought out back then. But um, I don't know. You just kind of find a way. Yeah. Because you're mom and you're a badass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just have to. So you do. Because you have to. So you do. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. I have tears in my eyes. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Man, it is crazy how just that village of people who have been there and can just say like, you know what? Yeah, this is hard. This is messy, but you're a mom and you're going to do it because you have to, and you have love in your heart for your child and nothing's going to stop you or hold you back from doing everything you can to be the best mom that you can, whatever that means in the moment. Like being a good mom one day is different from being a good mom the next, especially in postpartum when everything is crazy so I think that like yeah that village is just so monumental it is like a necessity even (laughs) if it's just online or whatever it is like you need to have people that kind of get it I um had a college friend who gave birth two months prior to me and we I mean she was in my acapella group because that was my college experience but Mm -hmm. um she and I would message like in the middle of the night and even though she was in New Hampshire and I'm in Colorado um 
we both uh, can attest to like how important that was for us like how um I knew that if I was up 20 times in a night I literally had someone I could talk to right then and there like even though you know everyone else in my house is sleeping or like I'm the only one in the world who's up right now which I know I'm not but like being able to talk to her and or even just be like she was two months ahead of me which at that time is everything right because everything changes so quickly yeah um I was like is this normal and she's also a nurse so she was able to be like yes yeah (laughs) that's normal that's so and respond right back to me at four in the morning (laughs) yes oh yeah that's so nice any way you can find a village is is the right way yeah yeah so my next question to round us out and finish up is just before we go do you have any words of wisdom for the other postpartum or soon-to-be postpartum moms out there I think aside from what I was talking about earlier about giving yourself grace and giving yourself um and um just the ability to make changes if you need to um I had a friend who, she was the one who threw my baby shower. I used to sit for her kids. And um, she told me that even in the hard times, you have to remember that everything is a stage. Everything is a short season. So even if you are struggling to the point where you feel like you're going to lose it, um, obviously still reach out to, you know, the people in your village and the resources available to you, but know that it's going to be over soon. And I'm not saying that in the way that, you know, people say, enjoy every second, it goes really fast. You know, that's not a very helpful comment to most new moms. Um, I'm saying like, you know, if you're struggling, there's an end in sight and it, it will pass. You know, if you're going through a sleep regression or, teething or you know times where you don't think that you've strung more than two or three hours of sleep together in months (laughs) that will end and um you will sleep again yes you will you will continue to love your baby at every stage but those tricky ones are they're they're time sensitive they're going to end and you will be okay yeah absolutely oh my gosh thank you so much for talking to me this was phenomenal and I just think that yeah postpartum's crazy but hearing other moms stories I think is just so powerful so thank you so much and thank you so much listener I hope you enjoyed hearing Lauren's story and if you did give us a rating it helps other folks find our podcast and hopefully feel seen and less alone.